This is Live Well Talk on Cancer and Self-Care. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Cancer is more than a diagnosis and treatment. It brings with it many other challenges for the patient and their loved ones. Joining me to talk more about support provided for cancer patients and caregivers is Nancy Isley, uh, oncology social worker at Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, as I was mentally preparing for this podcast and beyond thinking of all the brilliant comments I was going to have, I really, you know, I really, I think the theme today is you can't be passive in your healthcare. You have to be a partner. It's a team sport and be involved with it. You just can't be passive. Would, Would you say that's true? Yes, and I think, you know, with that, when I think about support, whether you're facing cancer or other serious health problems, is the idea of being um, active and not just your physical well-being, but your emotional, your spiritual well-being, all of it. Um, And we very much take that approach at the Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center. We want to help you in every aspect of your life to be as well as you can be. What, what are some basic recommendations you have for patients to do beyond their doctor's appointment or chemotherapy session to be, well, if you will, a team member on the team to make them better? What do you, what do you, what do you recommend? You know, first of all, we always you know, recommend to everybody, bring somebody to your appointments with you, um, whether it's for that support or that extra set of ears to be able to ask questions, you know, take notes. When you're, when you're taking in stressful information, Uh, most people aren't going to retain it all. And being able to think of things from different angles um, and ask different questions is very important. You know, when I was in private practice and paper gowns that patients wear, Mm -hmm. I would always leave the room and say, go ahead and get dressed, come back in and talk about what what the plans are. Because I can only imagine somebody sitting in a paper gown is not listening to what I'm saying. Very true, and then they're they're not going to be truthful and give as in-depth of an answer about Exactly. They're saying, let me get through this so I can get (laughs) my clothes back on. So, no, you're absolutely right. That's a a patient advocacy and having a a partner, an advocate, is a good thing. You know, and as far as thinking about the, you know, emotional well-being and thinking about taking in everything that's happening to you, You know, one of the things I tell patients as an oncology social worker, my role is to make sure we're not just thinking about your medical care, but we're thinking about, you know, what we can do to support you and your loved ones and being able to help you through um, this challenging time and being able to support you in every aspect. Um, And I think that starts things rolling that, you know, we care about you as a person and we want to help acknowledge that there is you know, an impact beyond the actual medical care to your, you know, emotional well-being, what kind of support you need um, through that. So we try to just, you know, for that reason, I meet with every new patient right at their first visit. So is it a balancing act? Because I've heard cancer patients say, I don't want my cancer to define who I am. Absolutely. So so, so I can imagine they should do some supportive care, but also balance that. Can you tell me about that or how that work integrates into your workflow? Yeah, so I would start out with just saying, you know, you know, being able to acknowledge that it does have an impact because saying it has zero impact, um, it's kind of one end of the continuum and saying it totally defines me is the other end of that continuum. So like most things, trying to find a balance in between, acknowledging the way that the stress of a cancer diagnosis um, impacts you and, and your family as a whole, um, being able to be open to support from others. Um, 
partly as us Midwesterners, we're really, we're tough, we're strong, we work hard, we do. It's hard to acknowledge, much less ask for help from other people in trying to help people and, see and, that's okay to do. And, and the, you're starting to see the end of the World War II generation, mm -hmm. you know, where it was actually kind of, you didn't talk about Oh, cancer. no. <laughs> you know, like it was like somehow, that, that just I, I, that just amazes me when I would have patients mm -hmm. that would be reluctant to acknowledge that they have cancer or discuss it, you right. know, because there's a, like a social stigma to it, which is just blows my mind. I mean, can't even imagine that now. Very true. And so then when you start to talk with people about their family history from that, you know, medical standpoint, much less, you know, I think, you know, people are shaped by their experiences. And so thinking about how people are um, dealing with a cancer diagnosis, you know, have they had other people in their family diagnosed? Is this something that there's, you know, um, a family history of where they could maybe have learned from other people who they've seen gone through this, much less have any idea of, you know, how, how to deal with this at all. And so, yeah, it can be very interesting. Some families talk about more things than others in the generational piece as well. Absolutely, that's always always just amazed me. Uh, I still don't understand that, uh, that social sort of stigma mm -hmm. that used to exist, but uh, times have changed. You talked about you sit down and talk to them and kind of do some detective work to find out where they're, where they're at in that continuum you mentioned. What other self-care resources does, do you provide in the LNG set? Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center? You know, I would talk to people about, you know, a whole team of support that we have for them. And the idea is that we go where the patient goes. We're not assigned to one office or location, but having some continuity for those support services for patients is important. You know, um, besides myself, um, you know, as a social worker, we also have oncology dietitians that are very, you know, key in people's care. Um, cancer exercise specialist, care coordinators. Um, you know, and one thing that is really, I think, wonderful, um, our staff, everybody on our team are people that have really, you know, excelled within their profession and they found their niche in the specialty of oncology and are certified specialists within oncology. It just brings that extra level of expertise, much less that right bedside manner yeah. type of person who really helps key into those needs of patients. I think there's two specialties that I see where ancillary staff, nursing staff, social workers, physical mm -hmm. therapists, that they're there because they want to be there, uh -huh. and that's oncology and psychiatry. Yes. I think the nurses and the staff on the psychiatry floors want to be there. They have some an advocacy for mental mm -hmm. illness, and that's why they're there. I think same with your cancer center. I think people migrate there. It's not, well, I just took this posting as a young nurse uh, because it was available. Yeah, it wasn't but, just it looks interesting. Yeah, right, right. I, 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 I truly believe that. I truly, as we've talked to the, uh, talking to yourself, and I've known you for a long time, as well as other subject matter experts from the center, it really, mm -hmm. truly, you do grasp how they want to be there, uh, and they yeah. have a passion for it. Yeah, we really try to listen to our patients, too, and what they want for support. You know, as we add more support services, lots of it comes from feedback from patients. You know, we've added um, acupuncture because patients have asked for it. So we've gone out and looked into it and found, you know, a provider that's that good fit and really fits with our philosophy of patient and family-centered care. Um, we've really been taking off in our integrated um, wellness services too with massage 
and with you know acupuncture with aromatherapy as well as healing energy and essential oils um, we've had within exercise patients asking for you know more things along the line of yoga and we've had you know people ask for tai chi so we started Tai Chi and before you know it, we've got two Tai Chi classes going because hmm. patients are really benefiting. So we really look for that feedback from patients as well as how to help enhance those support services available. But no goat yoga or anything No like goat that. yoga. Okay, not nope. yet. We not got yet. some pet therapy going no, in the radiation okay. center, but so far those are dogs, not okay. goats. <laughs> so no goats yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. What, what are some warning signs in your experience? And, and, and you can use your experience outside of oncology as well. But what are some warning signs that the emotional support system for this patient is the wheels are about to come off? What, 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 what do you see? What are some red flags to you that perhaps you need to intervene or escalate intervention? You know, looking at, you know, patients, you know, right from the beginning, getting that radical baseline assessment from that okay. first visit. So we know kind of previously, you know, who's your support system? Um, who are your go-to people? Whether that's the people that are literally at the appointment with you, or you know, outside of um, the doctor's office, who's there for you. So we know kind of going in who we need to keep an eye on to begin with, who might not have much support, and then we can look for if there's changes in that support. But also just looking at, um, you know, we do a um, you know, baseline depression screening, depression and anxiety issues um, can be pretty normal within you know, reacting to cancer diagnosis and looking for those changes. People who are, you know, there's, there's changes in their, you know, memory and just changes sure. in their ability to recall information, um, you know, can often come along with, you know, somebody who's got some more emotional support needs. I, I think every physician's had this experience in their career and some of us more than others, but you're taking care of a patient for 10 years mm -hmm. and let's say they have some sort of indolent chronic illness emphysema and they just progressively get worse. And, mm -hmm. and every appointment over those 10 years, the spouse was with them, you know. Mm -hmm. and you, you know the spouse on the first name basis, yes. you really get to know the family. And then they, they pass away, the patient passes away. And then you see the spouse as a patient, not just as an advocate. And you realize they haven't seen a doctor in 10 years. Because they've been busy the, Because they've been taking care of and neglect themselves. Do, mm -hmm. do you see that sometimes? Yes, we do. And in fact, um, within the last few years, we've really keyed in more and more on the needs of the caregiver, the family caregiver, both at the um, NASF Community Cancer Center as well as Unity Point. You know, we work together, um, especially with Unity Point Palliative Care, in that to look at identifying those needs of the caregivers and try to do things to help support that family caregiver along the way. We hold a retreat at Prairie Woods twice a year. We do other um, support visits, sometimes just with the family member without the patient, so we can do a better job of supporting that caregiver so that they aren't missing their doctor's appointment, right. no, so that they happens. are having somebody to talk Absolutely. to, that they are also eating, eating well and get them to see as best as we can. That's part of taking care of your loved one is taking care of yourself or you won't be there. You know, you talked about, you know, other experiences I can remember you know, working in the ICU and being called down because there was a need for home health to get set up right away. And that's unusual in the ICU. You don't usually, right. you know, and, but it's because the patient brought in um, was the caregiver at home for somebody. So for instance, you know, uh, adult children, dad's now in ICU, but dad was the one taking care of mom. So now what yeah, are we going to yeah. do? 
you know, I, you may recall I have a home patients that have home ventilators that I see mm-hmm. them in the home. And that's, I mean, the, 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 the loved one that's taking care of them, that is their full-time job. Yes. And, you know, they can't, I mean, they can't go to the grocery store no. unless they have a support system to help. Them. Yeah. And it's, it, really, it really is uh, a significant uh, uh, a responsibility. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head, though, earlier with your comment about being in the Midwest. And I, I think to, it, they don't want to be a burden. No. That's, that, I hear that so often when we talk about end-of-life issues with patients is they don't say, well, you know, I, I have this religious fulfillment in my life and I'll let nature take its course mm-hmm. or I want to live till I'm 105. They say, I don't want to be a burden on my family. Yes. That's the first thing they say, yes. you know, uh, and I respect them for that. You know, I think that's being mm-hmm. a responsible family member, but also we're here to help and their family wants to help. Yeah. And I think, I think that's so true with the patients. One last question. Why, how did you end up at the cancer center? Why did you choose oncology? Because you, you used to be with hospice palliative care yes. program. Yes. So, you know, um, my dad had cancer and that really, you know, when I was young in my social work career, um, he had cancer and it really made me want to think more about, you know, helping people with cancer. And so, yeah, I worked um, for hospice uh, for about 10 years, um, worked um, when St. Luke started a palliative care program, worked with them. So then I was taking care of patients. A good share of them had cancer, but then um, now I've narrowed that scope farther. Kind of getting upstream in the process. Yeah, getting so upstream in the process, yeah. but also narrowing down to instead of taking care of mostly cancer patients and some other diagnoses to being just cancer. Taking care of a loved one or a patient, it's a big responsibility. And the last thing that you want to hear when you come home at the end of the day is your spouse or your kid tell you, for a doctor at least, to tell me they're sick. You know, I was, oh my gosh, I've just been doing that all day. And, and I always think about the family members because they're doing it 24-7 with Absolutely, no breaks. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, it is, I admire them. I really do. There's a special place in heaven for those family members. Really great information today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. Again, this was Nancy Yisley. Oncology Social Worker at Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center. For more information, visit communitycancercenter.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.